made on Zencaster. Every once in a while, though, like she'll ask you, like, do you want to have a baby? And for now, I keep saying no. Because <laughs> I have other things I want to do. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Deno Pengu's podcast. I'm your host, Michael. Eric. <laughs> all right, let's get into it. All right, wait, wait, first of all, first yeah. of all, yeah. uh, episode 10, uh-huh, uh-huh. which double digits. I mean, it's a milestone. Yeah, yeah. That's all I might say. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I wanted to ask you, uh, how was your CE? And I like what CE it was and, you know, anything interesting you learned? Oh, yeah. So, you know how, um, I think California has this too, but I believe most states have like um, the opioid education requirement. Mm. Uh, about like uh, prescribing narcotics and mm-hmm. just understanding like what's the current meta uh, when it comes to like prescription and stuff. Uh, so I believe here we have to do it every two years. So this was like what's uh, this was basically necessary for me because I think the last time I did it was like 2019 or 2020 or something like that. Yeah, so I was uh, I was due for it. So we all went. Um, my two other colleagues, we all went there. Uh, it was all day from like eight to four. But um, yeah, apparently the the lecturer guy is like um, he's got like a big name in the um, this area. So because you know he's from um, Baltimore College of Dentistry, mm. and like he's kind of worked there for a long time. He's a he was a like a PhD like pharmacology person before he became was a dentist. So he has a really good. Um, knowledge base about that so he was kind of the name for um just like pharmacology stuff and i could tell because like this is like the kind of lecture that i like because it's like um when they're doing the lecture and then they just go slightly off script and they just throw these like knowledge nuggets um that are like just kind of offhand like it feels offhand to him but like to me it's like oh that's that's interesting so I'll give you an example if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. So you know the drug Vicodin. It's basically a, like a like a codeine variant, basically. Uh-huh. It like is that kind of narcotic. Okay. But why is it called Vicodin? Do you know? No, I, I don't. It's interesting because um, they realized that this uh, drug tested about six times uh, the analgesic effect than just codeine. Okay. Right. So six, like um, if you see VI. And you turn that into Roman numeral, it's six, right? Oh, D-I. really? And it's oh, like wow. by codeine, six times the codeine. Oh. That's why it's, yeah. And it's like, I mean, it wasn't a, it, it was, you know, boring knowledge to him, but he just kind of said that offhand. I was like, oh my, wow, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> I don't know, for me. Is that really why they named it that? That's uh, pretty cool. That's, that's what he says. That's wow, what he okay. says. Uh, I, I didn't like fact check, but, uh, and I know other people in the room felt that way too. They were like, oh. Never knew. <laughs> um, but like he just has to yeah, that one's the one that stood out to me the most um but like you know i wrote down like there's some like nuggets here and there that i thought was oh that's that's really interesting um i have to go through my notes to yeah, tell you yeah. all of them but anyway yeah oh vicodin yeah. is uh hydrocodone and acetaminophen together okay oh yeah so it might not even be a codeine but i think it's just like six six times more efficacy than the uh, um, codeine and codeine does, mm-hmm. yeah anyway um you know i think like uh we had that drug booklet and i know one of the lecturers like the professors at uop he made the drug booklet mm. so he was kind of known for that i think he's basically the same figure in the east coast yeah and uh he's like in his 80s now 
And he said, like, this is like one of the three final lectures of his uh, career. And he's going to retire for sure. Wow, he's still giving lectures at 80? That's crazy. You know, it's crazy. It's like uh, one of our um, volunteer, dental board volunteers, you know, these people are like almost retired or retired dentists in their like 60s, Mm -hmm. uh, 60s. And they remember getting lectures from him at like, you know, um, Baltimore or other places throughout the year. So obviously, like, he likes doing what he does and... Yeah, that was, that was, uh, and it was fun too. He's it was funny, just like it's like uh, experience is what I felt like. This guy's got experience doing lectures, and he did one of the best things that you can do ever in a CE is over promise. I mean, under promise and over deliver on the time. So the lecture was supposed to end at four, and usually it really ends at five, but he 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 got it done uh, like before three, <laughs> <laughs> and everyone was so happy. Yeah. yeah. Nice, nice. All right, next topic. So this may be a little TMI, but I realized, you know, it's been a while since I lived with my parents. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I had a constipation problem <laughs> in the past. You mean before you lived with them or after you lived with before. them? Before. And it's something that just kind of like, you know, bothered me from time to time. And, you know, you just kind of like get used to it like a certain just like oh this is what it is right mm-hmm. and then since i live with my parents like kind of went away and i it, it was and i just didn't like notice it but like just uh, i don't know it's just something that just occurred to me recently you know it's like yeah i used to have some like trouble from time to time going to the bathroom and, and i think <laughs> what happens is that i just kind of took for granted like all the like the veggies and the probiotics, the kimchi, <laughs> and the fruits and stuff. Uh, uh, I mean, there's got to be stuff in there that's pretty much help. <laughs> uh, you know, because like when I um, cook or eat by myself, I don't prioritize that as often. Uh, it's just, I, it was just something I realized like a couple days ago. Mm. I was like, wow, I don't have this problem anymore. That's good. And, and, I, and it's like, and I kind of dealt with it like, Oh, this is just part of life. Um, <laughs> and like, I guess it didn't bother me to the point where like I kept thinking about it because it's not like I did much about it either. But it's like now it's just like it's not a problem anymore. I was like, wow, that's good. It's balanced meals are important. <laughs> yeah, thankful for my mom. Well, were you always like before and now? If you compare, do you go to the bathroom pretty regularly or not really? Yeah, it's hard to say. Uh, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's not something that was on my mind so long. Like oh, okay, I can give okay. you like detail, but uh, I certainly remember like struggling. Like I would be in there sometimes, like twenty minutes. <laughs> you know, these days I'm just in and out. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what else to say about. Okay, it. okay. Balanced meals are important. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If if you think you're having constipation, it's not. You're not born with it. So <laughs> you might be missing some probiotics or something. <laughs> Some fiber. Yeah, I do feel like, so since I moved home, that hasn't really been a problem for me. But in terms of eating wise, I've been so full all the time. Like my mom always buys food. She always has snacks lying around. And I think when I'm living on my own, I really made it a point where like, because I know I, I don't have good self-control. So if there's junk food laying around, I'm going to eat it. So when I was living alone, I really rarely buy that stuff until, unless we have guests. But my mom always keeps it around like chips, snacks. 
And then when I'm at home, I see it around, I'll eat it. And then I'll snack through the day. And then I'm just always like full all the time. It's, it's good and bad, I guess. I mean, does it translate to like actual weight gain for you? Yeah, it does. It does. I'm trying to get a little stomach, you know? All right. All right. Well, that's yeah. why I've been going to the gym. <laughs> trying to. It's balancing it out. Yeah, yeah. Since we're talking about it, you know, I'm really regular. And so I always go in the morning. And I remember when I was doing my AGD, my residency, I would have many moments where I'm on the bus and it's early in the morning and I'm like, oh my God, like how many more minutes till I get to the clinic? <laughs> Am I going to make it to the clinic? Uh, and fortunately, I always make it. But you know how they always say like, it's good to be regular. It's good for your health. But I also think that, you know, sometimes it's a little stressful because I'm so on the clock <laughs> and I'm like, I have to go now. I wonder if you ever experienced that. I think schools are a little bit of exception. You know, it's just, it's just unusually early or like residencies or I just like, come on, like, you know, uh, I think if you're like regular around like 7 a.m., yeah, I yeah. think that's great because <laughs> like most jobs are start around like 8 or 9, right? We call it 9 to 5, right? So I think it is a good habit, but it's just, you know, it's, there's certain periods of your life where like you have to just be a little earlier and yeah, I can see how they can mess it up. Um, well, my, um, my aunt on my mom's side, uh, her husband was like <laughs> really famous for being so regular. And, <laughs> and he was like, yeah, my life is better because I never go into work thinking like, oh, I have to excuse myself or struggle during a meeting or miss something important uh... because I have to go to the bathroom. I mean, he was like a businessman, you know, me, I think it is a good idea too. Uh, I'm not. Like sometimes I'll like, yeah, I'll do it in the morning. Sometimes I'll do it at work. And the only part I didn't like about it is if like at my job, if the bathroom was not nice, then like I would not want to go there. So that sucked. But, you know, right now I work at like a hospital. Yeah. They keep it pretty clean. <laughs> That's um, good. And yeah, I just like, I don't really see it as like a big problem. Just like you just go when you need to go. I mean, these days, like, you don't work at, like, 7, or you don't have to leave at, like, 7, 8. So I think I think you should you should do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, it, it's pretty good these days. But I just remember, like, back then, there were, like, some pretty excruciating moments when you're on the bus and you're like, <laughs> am I going to make it, you know? It's like, uh... Wow, so you didn't, like, it didn't adapt, huh? No, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe I didn't have a good enough, like, sleeping schedule. To keep it, or like maybe good. like you could have tried eating less for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, why is that funny? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Plus, like, I think your current practice—it's like a small practice, right? Yeah, man, you don't want to rip one out. You know, <laughs> only dental practice, you know, assistant goes there. Like, oh, Doctor Chen, somebody <laughs> blew up in here. <laughs> yeah, like I said, it's like it's when it. Be like disappeared completely is when I like appreciated it. Topic number two is, you know, in order to have an interesting podcast, mm. like I have to be doing interesting things with my life <laughs> um, or like, you know, just kind of educating myself on what's going on with the world. Mm -hmm. and, but uh, these uh, past like two weeks, mm -hmm. I've been pretty much all in on this new video game, Stardew <laughs> Valley. And, and I was thinking about like, what to say for this podcast and i was like well i mean i can only talk about what i did so yeah, yeah, yeah. i think i'll just you know talk about this and hopefully there's some uh 
things that you can relate to. So for those of you who don't know, it's um, it's one of the most popular indie games of all time. It's basically a 2D farming adventure simulator. I tell people it's like a pixel art Animal Crossing, the closest version that I can find. But like it involves base building, uh, relationships, dungeons, farming, fishing, uh, and so forth. And the first thing I wanted to mention was that the how this game even even came to be is a really really inspiring. So if you don't know that this uh, entire game, right? So visual arts, writing, music, mechanics, programming, updates is all all done by one man, um, Eric Barone. So he graduated 2011 with a CS degree in America, and he had difficulty getting job offers. So he just began to make um, like a game, this game based off um, this other older Japanese uh, farming simulator called the Harvest Moon. So he took a lot of inspiration from that. And initially, he just wanted to make a quick game so that he can add it to his resume so that he can improve his chance of getting the job. But what ended up happening was that this game became like one of the biggest of all time. <laughs> and um, I'm really happy that that's how it turned out. And he basically uses strengths like writing, playing video games, uh, making music. Looking back, and this is all from kind of his interview. Looking back, he said like, you know, I was just into multiple things. Like I've made music at home and um, I was like doodling uh, pictures and stuff while I, he was working mm-hmm. um, at like minimum wage jobs. And he likes playing video games. So he says, in retrospect, I think the answer was there all along. Like, um, I wanted to create a game by myself. Mm-hmm. And when I when I read about that, it reminded me of uh, what Naval Ravikant says, um, no one can compete with you on being you, right? And he promotes the idea of escaping modern competition through authenticity. And I'll give you an example. So he, he gives an example like Joe Rogan, right? Because um, Joe Rogan has uh, many identities, right? He's a UFC commentator, but he's also a father. He's a hunter. He's into MMA. But he's also curious about science and tech. He's also into psychedelics. And there are all individuals that are much you know, more knowledge, uh, knowledgeable or better at Joe Rogan at each of those individual things, right? Mm-hmm. But how many individuals has it all? So it's hard to be the first uh, or the greatest at any discipline, right? Because there's just fierce competition towards the top. Um, but another way to succeed is that, you know, if you're 30th or 50th at multiple disciplines and you know how to kind of integrate them all, then basically you carve out your own niche of success. Hmm. And that is very hard to compete with other people because the particular specific knowledge and interests and passions that you have, if you mix them all together, or like if you know how to kind of integrate them all, that's really hard to compete because they don't have all of the same interests and passions as you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just his strength in writing, music, video games, and computer science. I think that suit him up really well to create a video game. Mm-hmm. And yeah, for indie games, because it's, you know, by definition, like low budget, it's always like small teams of like two, three, four people and stuff like that. But it's very unusual that uh, a game from like one person that does everything, that's actually unusual. And for it to have like mega success like this one. Mm-hmm. So like um, as of right now, it's sold like more than 10 million copies. All right. So 
And the other thing that I really、uh, made me th- think about how he should work on this is that obviously, you know, working on this project for so long,、uh, I believe he spent like a total of seven years making the game before he officially launched it.、Um, there's many times, you know, he got burnt out and wanted to quit and things like that. And one thing that he mentioned about how he made progress was he basically used the Pareto principle. So it's like there's the people who go at 100% at something,、mm-hmm. and there's people who go, you know, not as much because, you, you know, there are critical parts of like what you need to do to achieve a goal. And after that, anything else that you extra that you do, it has like a diminishing returns as to how much improvements that you can make.、Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about?、Mm-hmm. So, like, like if, you,、um, if you wanted to, like, Improve at piano, right? From year zero to year、um, two,、mm-hmm. uh, I think you can make substantial improvement in your ability to read and play piano. But I think after, you can imagine after year two, like year five to year 10, the amount of dramatic improvements that you'll get will、uh, significantly de- diminish.、Mm-hmm. Do you get what、mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Because like you've already got the basics down. And now it's really, now you're getting into the area of like interpretation and like just the vibe, really. <laughs> like,、um, like when I judge um, like um, different pianists, they are, they're all good. Like, at, at that level of competition, they're all great, like technical players.、Uh, what it comes down to is like what kind of like feelings and vibes do they evoke out of me? That's how, that's how I judge.、Mm-hmm. Um, Because it's so, it's, and it's really hard to、uh, train that.、Uh, it only comes through a lot of years of experience, and it may not be worth it if you're not, you know,、uh, if you're not dead set on that goal. So, what he basically did is he just he made sure he'd done the critical aspect of one aspect. So, like if he wanted to work on like a fishing mechanics or something or farming mechanics, he would do the most important part first and then add some depth and then just move on to the next project. And then if he wanted to come back, And to add more, okay, that's fine. But because he's doing the most important things as he's making the game, he was able to make significant progress every time he was working on it、um, seriously, as opposed to like trying to perfect like one mechanic of the game and arguably going at a much slower pace in developing the game and risking. Not feeling like you're making a lot of contributions and burning out. I hope this is making sense. Yeah, know, no, I get it. Okay.、Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. And、um, the other thing was, he was very passionate about not putting out、um, early access games or unfinished games. And he thought that's how it, he would make the game stand out, which is true. And that's also why it took like seven years, even though he kind of like let the community know that his goal was to finish it out in three to four years. But、um, in the gaming community, there's a, there's a phrase like,、uh, and I'm kind of paraphrasing, but it's like, you can either put, If, if a good game takes too long to get published, it's eventually good. But a rushed game is forever bad. I don't know why he, that, he took that to heart, but I'm, I'm glad he did because that's,、uh, he got a very positive reception when it、uh, published because you know, it didn't have like, a lot of game breaking bugs and stuff. And if there was, he, he worked very diligently to fix it. Well, I, I thought this was pretty interesting because you know, this week, I think similar to you, I was kind of thinking about like, What can we talk about this week? And I like, I like what you're saying with the quote about how that we are each very unique and best at being that way. But I was thinking, like, what, 
what can we bring as a podcast that would be really unique to us, you know? And then what you were saying just now also made me think about, you know, with, you know, Kim Jong-kook, right? And you know how he was like a singer first and then he became a very popular entertainer. But all throughout, he was always very into exercising. And when I saw his YouTube channel come out and his YouTube channel is mainly about exercising and working out i was thinking about today's episode and i was wondering what it what that is for us you know because he has that audience already from in the background and that popularity from being a singer being entertainer but i think his passion for working out he's really able to share that with other people and people are genuinely interested in that so and i guess i wonder what you think for you or for us like what do you think are the things that are like kind of culminating for you that you're interested in building yeah i mean this is more like you know behind the scenes talk in my opinion yeah. so uh, <laughs> i'd be more than happy to talk yeah, about yeah. that like uh, later down the road but the only thing i can mention that i think just maybe general value to everyone is um it's you definitely want to do something that you're into and you're passionate about and one way to just look at it is um there's a couple ways to figure that out uh, one is to ask yourself, like, what am I doing for free already? Or what am I spending money and time to do already in my life? So, like, one person like one person who later made, like, a business of training, like, charisma, dating, business, like, coaching, is they asked themselves that question, and they realized they, they love to go to clubs and parties and, and uh, strike up a conversation. And with the goal of, you know, being a social hurricane, being the uh, most attractive guy in the room, like that's what they were into, you know, whether we think it's valuable or not, that's what they, uh, what they were into. So they, they realized that uh, even though they started with other businesses like parkour or things like that, they ended up pivoting to uh, coaching because that's, that's what they realized that they were passionate about and that what they could make long-term or like uh, another thing is like uh, ask people who are very close to you uh, about that so um, Naval for example he he thought that when he was going he's an angel investor and like a you know kind of like a tech startup like um, like basically like helps um, helps create startup businesses right and when he was younger he thought he was going to be like a scientist or an astronaut because that's who he like venerated but his mom said that like, oh, you're going to end up going to business. At first, he was uh, very skeptical when he was a kid. But looking back, he said, oh, his mom was completely right. Because what she noticed was that every time they were walking down like uh, New York Street or something, uh, even as a child, he would point out, oh, why that pizzeria is working that way, why they're using this kind of topping, how they can uh, have more profit if they switch the hours. Like uh, His mom said that, that he would casually talk to her about, how he can like alter businesses. Mm. So she noticed that about him. Even he did not notice that about himself. So asking people who are very close to you might might be like a jumping off point. Then you know, don't think of it as like the capital T truth, but that might be a jumping off point. Mm-hmm. And um, the other thing is, ideally, you want you want whatever you're passionate about to have some sort of crossover with what we call a product market fit. So. If your passion is also in demand of the market, that's where you can have like the success, <laughs> like a typical success, right? Because like if I'm really um, passionate about this like 
archaic like suit like sumo wrestling or something that's great and i have a lot of expertise about it but there's no demand of like people who want to watch that people who want to learn about that so with uh, kim jong-gook like i'm glad like i mean the fact that he already has an established audience that helps a lot right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but also like the niche that he's uh, passionate about is fitness yeah well fit there's a lot of demand for people who want to watch fitness Mm -hmm. Right, so he found a great fit, mm -hmm. and uh, it's a hyper competitive area. And what gives him the edge is his celebrity and his uh, established audience. So, uh, you know, if we're gonna talk about this, like I do want some, I do want to see like if there's uh, we can find something that is a crossover, and like kind of see if we can double down on it, because uh, to me, it's not just enough that oh, I'm really into this. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. There has to be a demand. I mean, okay, I don't know what your goal is like, but if if the goal is to like grow an audience, yeah, something, right? Then we have to have something that the market demands. Right, right. Yeah, no, I mean, I wasn't even just talking about like the podcast. You know, I think I'm just kind of curious, like what what would that thing be that you're so like passionate about that you would want to Yeah, so I mean, I gave you like two things that maybe you can look into, like asking yourself that question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. It's a good exercise. I feel like I have, I, I know what they are, mm -hmm. but it's just like, well, how can I, am I, well, am I interested in turning this into some sort of like money-making thing? And then the second is like, how can I do that? I mean, and there are ways, like if you're creative enough and if you're at the right time and place, like you can do it, mm -hmm. right? I just saw like a couple months ago, like this documentary about this dude who like fingerboards, like the, you know, that little mini. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, you were just into it. And now he gets paid making other people like custom fingerboards. And mm. he has a warehouse that people can like, uh, I'm not sure if they have to pay to get in, but like they can come in and, you know, do their thing. And like he's he's doing well enough that he's making a living off it. Right. Mm. I, I would have never thought like somebody can make a living off fingerboard. Mm. Right. Uh, so it is possible. But it's like coming to that, how you can do that. Is it something you even want to do that for? I think those are more interesting questions. Mm-hmm. All right, so continuing on, I've been playing video games for a, a couple months now. And as I play more games, one of the things that I think I'm interested in is in the analysis of game design. And for me, I noticed like all the things that he did right and like why I think people would like this game. So I mentioned before, like he put out a complete game, right? Um, mm -hmm. y you're not too much in the gaming space, but people are uh, publishing like un unfinished games or calling it early access when it's just not working properly. Like it's a big no-no in the mm -hmm. community uh the notorious example is cyberpunk 2077 mm -hmm. i'm not you're not too familiar with that one but it was like supposed to be this like amazing triple a game and the trailer like made it uh like oh this is gonna have this feature it's gonna change the gaming industry forever like it, it says something like that like um the hype was so real and when it came out it has so many game breaking bugs people had to refund the money it was not playable and just it completely trashed the reputation of the company and you know they're still working on it to try to regain that trust but it's hard once once that's broken the kind of coming up patches are mostly to kind of fix community reinforced complaints and not just like uh, stupid bugs that should have been fixed in the beginning and uh, how he fixed the complaints i thought was really interesting so like when you think about if people are not happy with a certain mechanic or certain things about the game right as the developer you want to ask yourself like well First, do I want to fix this? And if I'm going to fix it, am I going to fix it by adding more barriers to the game? Or am I going to just outright fix it? Because like, I think it's that annoying. So uh, 
just to make it more concrete, I'll give you an example. So people wanted a way to travel faster from you know places to places. You know, they didn't want to keep walking mm -hmm. all the time. So adding mechanics like a horse. So when you ride a horse, you move faster. Mm -hmm. uh, or they do uh, have like teleportation stuff, but you have to pay exorbitant amounts of money. So it's it's more like you have to grind for the convenience, right? So it's like, oh, they fix it that way, as opposed to like some. They were complaining that like, oh, I can only get this resource at this time, at this uh, uh, this season, and it's just like it just makes the game play annoying because if you miss it, then you have to wait a whole year to get the resource. And that how he took that um, complaint was that he just made the resource available in more uh, other places. So that one he just outright fixed it to make it just easier. Uh, as opposed to the first one, he did add more kind of barriers, whether it be money or like you just have to play more of the game. Like mm -hmm. there's different ways that you can solve a complaint. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought that was really interesting how the two different approaches that he took. And it, it looks like a, a very like kid-friendly game. <laughs> like it's a, it's a 2D pixel art graphic, right? But not messages, but it has like real-world reflections about these characters. So there are themes of like anti-capitalism, local communities, alcoholism, depression, you know, PTSD, toxic relationships. And just as a grown-up playing the game, like, I thought, I thought it was, like, interesting stuff. And, yeah, um, like, once you optimize and automate the game to a certain extent, like, your wealth just kind of hits a stratosphere. Kind of like in real life. It's like, you know, we're kind of working right now. Mm -hmm. But if you imagine if we had, like, five mil in the bank and we own, like, a couple of properties, mm -hmm. like, we're kind of... We won the money game, you know, we can live <laughs> off the interest. So yeah. it gives you an avenue for those players to take on more challenging puzzles and caves. And, and I just like, when, as I was playing the game, I was very impressed because like, yeah, this guy obviously played this game many, many times mm -hmm. because he has something for everyone, to, for the very beginners, for the medium, people getting better, people who basically won the farming game that want, they want more challenges. It's all there. Is there um, an endpoint to this game or not really? So there's no technical endpoint. Like you can't just like not progress any further. Um, but like there are like challenges that if you want, you can take on. That it's that can be a little bit more difficult. That can be a little more grinding. So you don't have to. But I, I think like most people have like a idea of when the game is done, quote unquote. But no, you can always do more things. So I was like super into the game. And my goal was uh, to get married <laughs> to this guy. <laughs> and once I got married, that was kind of the quote unquote end for me. Like I'm, cause I'm still playing the game. Yeah. But I'm not as like all in as I used to. I don't know the, the way that I'm with uh, like games and stuff. Like I like to just kind of burn out like a candle, uh -huh. and I just get it done. And feeling like I'm, I finished the game, and then I just, you know, I rest and take a break. Uh -huh. So. Right now, I'm like, I feel like I'm enjoying it more because until that point, like I was really grinding to to get to that point. And like, yeah, yeah I, at this point, I've, you know, I've, I'm, I'm in that phase. Like I've already optimized the farming, like money's coming in, like I'm just doing things like I really want to do or or like um, decorating my house and stuff like that. Can you describe to us how your wedding went down? What, what it was like? What it looked like? Who was this girl? Yeah, she was... Um, I, <laughs> I did a little bit of self-projection because um, mm. there's different like females you can like get mar married to or date. Mm. And I picked the one who was like, kind of like um, art, artsy. 
and she was a sculptor. Oh, this isn't a real player. It's a. It's just the NPC. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's oh. not. No, it's, uh, uh, right now, I'm playing the. There is multiplayer option, but I'm playing the single player right now. Oh. Yeah. So there are people in the neighborhood, and some of them you can basically start to you know date and eventually get married, and um, they're all a little bit different. Like one's a little bit more hippie, one's a little bit more like materialistic <laughs> i mean my opinion see and uh, i just um i did a little self-projection because uh for me i, I also eventually want to end up with someone who is more in the art side uh, um just now i mean it can change can you have uh multiple wives all right and can you have divorces i haven't tried <laughs> i haven't i haven't tried i haven't tried any of those uh but you can have babies i just said, oh. uh, yeah so Every once in a while, though, like she'll ask you, like, "Do you want to have a baby?" And for now, I keep saying no because <laughs> I, I have other things I want to do. But I, I already built my crib and like the bassinet and everything. Uh, maybe when you when you say yes to that baby thing, is you know, it'll be ready in real life too. <laughs> it'll reflect your your psyche. You're not taking care of your kid. Well, I'm taking. I am taking care of my kids. They're just they're just uh, ones and zeros. Do the do the babies grow up or not? I don't know. No, see, I haven't. I don't know. I haven't. Uh, I haven't looked into it. Um. So there's a whole like the wiki wiki for the game that you mm. can look into. Oh, mm. that's another great thing. It's like when I play video games, like you know, they have items that are not directly related to completing the game, but like they, they kind of explain the lore of the game. You know, kind of world building. And mm-hmm. uh, I just never found those things. Like, I was never drawn to those things. I just wanted. I was more into completion. Mm-hmm. But this one. Uh, you actually have to read it because you wouldn't know where to go or what to do. Like the little like lost books or scraps of paper or secret notes, like you mm-hmm. want to read those because they actually help you progress through the game. Mm-hmm. And I like that he built in, he understood what kind of gamers that he may be dealing with and he built the correct incentives to not like force the player to have what he wanted was the full experience. But it's like, I think he did a great job balancing player autonomy versus the restraint Hmm. by adding like good incentives to travel to multiple areas, to read all the lore and stuff. So that not only do we get the full experience, but we actually progress towards completion as well. Like he just had that marriage really, really nice. Hmm. I think it would be really cool if you keep playing the game and you end up, you're able to marry someone like a live player. And then you get to meet them. Like, not not in the sense that, like, you know, it has to be actually romantic. But, like, even if, like if it was a dude, you know. But it would be so cool to, like, meet new friends that way. Yeah, I guess so. Well, since we're talking about gaming, I did finish the Breath of the Wild, I think, maybe a couple of weeks ago. Nice. Well, I I didn't, like, finish finish it. But I I beat um, yeah. Yeah, Ganon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that part, like, I think since we're talking about how we feel about the games, it actually made me a little bit disappointed. Because... It ended up not being as hard as I thought it would be to beat the mm. final boss. Mm-hmm. And it lost so much incentive for me to play the game because one, I didn't actually finish completing, like finding all the shrines, finding like every single weapon, every single shield. But yeah. that was kind of the, that was the incentive, right? So every time I encountered a new boss, you know, it was hard to beat them. So I was interested in, going to find the shrines, going to find new weapons so I can beat it. And now that I beat the supposedly the biggest boss, uh, even though I didn't complete the other shrines, I'm not really interested anymore to complete the other shrines. So I thought that yeah. was kind of a little 
disappointing in the but you know I, I think that might be a selfish thing too right because some games are supposed to have an end so this this uh this reminds me of analysis on open world games in general yeah so that's one of the difficult parts of an open world game because you because you don't know where the player is gonna go uh you can't certainly make the game um it's hard to balance difficulty in an open world game mm. right because if i'm doing everything the way that the game was designed to do the bosses are actually going to be not that challenging because I would have been prepared. I would have had all the experiences, had all the weapons to beat them. As opposed to though, if I went like, you know, like in the beginning, you didn't explore the mainland and you went to like the desert or something, mm-hmm. you would have had a very difficult time mm-hmm. because those uh, those enemies weren't supposed to be, weren't supposed to quote, quote uh, be faced by you yet, right? But you could have made that game much harder for yourself. But as a game developer, I have no choice to of restricting you that because that's the whole point of the open world game. It, it was the same thing with Elden Ring too. It's like um, because you could have gone so many different ways. Some people became very very frustrated that like these bosses are so hard. Well, it's like well you're you're really supposed to go this way and then train a little bit and gain uh, XP so that you can take on this boss. Like they can't tell you those things. And the other side of the spectrum was like, oh, they did things too proper. And by the time they got to the boss, like it was fairly easy. Right. So I think if you like, if you completed half the game and then you fought Ganon, you, that, it would have been pretty difficult. But uh, I think how you did it was you pretty much went the way that the developer intended it to be played. Um, uh, that's just an interesting thing about the uh, game design aspect of it. In open world game, um, difficulty. Uh, setting the difficulty is really, really difficult because you don't you don't know where the player is at by the time they get to the boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think I was also just slightly disappointed because I don't know if you, ha- you know how it ends, but after you defeat Ganon, supposedly, like I, I can, I feel like it would have been good if you know if this was a game that was supposed to have an end, right? Then all the monsters and all this stuff in the castles should disappear you know uh, but after you beat the game actually they don't disappear ganon is still there too <laughs> it's just they mark it on like when you save they put a little star so it shows that oh you did actually beat him already and i get it i get the point though right because well if everyone is gone then you're not gonna continue playing anymore there's no there's no monsters to fight but then i was just thinking like well if you wanted to be over right that's the end goal then it would be nice to like you can return to the castle and see what the castle is like without all the all the monsters you know all the things and like it would be fun to talk to the npcs who are like oh like we're so happy now now that cannon is gone but if you go back now they're still all saying the same thing about like defeating ganon yeah Um, but you know i I still like the game a lot it was just like i think that one little part made me kind of like slightly disappointed but you know well, you know the answer to that don't you it's uh, <laughs> tears of the kingdom <laughs> yeah, yeah. or tears of the kingdom yeah, they don't want yeah. you to get that <laughs> <laughs> so. well that's all we have for you today check us out at dental pangoos for more context and more clips and on other platforms till then see you next time peace <laughs>